May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Wow. What an occasion. Richard, have you looked at this? Now just think about this. One service, one congregation. I certainly hope that reminds us that we all inhabit one life and that when all is said and done, there is actually only one ministry, only one work, which is the ministry of the risen Christ, which is a work of unconditional unmerited and unending love. What an occasion. We're gathered here this morning to mark a significant intersection, not just in the life of St. John's Cathedral, but, but also in the life of the Episcopal Church in Colorado. The installation of a new rector and dean for our cathedral and the institution of two new canons. Now, I know that many of you, like me, after a long season of change and transition in this community, are more than ready to say amen and hallelujah. (laughs) Go for it. I was going to say that that, of course, would be entirely fitting and appropriate but you're ahead of me. (laughs) Amens and hallelujahs are always welcome, of course, even if you are a bunch of Episcopalians. (laughs) But let's think about this for just a moment. While our celebration this morning does formally mark the conclusion of a search process, the filling of vacancies, we are at the same time actually marking a new beginning, indeed a new transition, indeed more transition in our common life and ministry. Yes, the vestry has elected a rector to serve St. John's Church in the wilderness. Yes, as bishop, I have extended that call to Richard Lawson to be the rector, and I have appointed him to serve as the dean of our cathedral. Richard has in turn called Katie Pearson and Broderick Greer to assist him as clergy colleagues in this ministry, and they will be commissioned as canons of this cathedral. The work has already begun. This parish community is already well on its way into a new future, and it is entirely accurate to say that a particular task has been accomplished. I have only one thing to say. Well done. Really, really, well done. So many people during this time of transition have stepped up to the plate on behalf of this St. John's community. That is noteworthy. Don't forget it. The vestry of this cathedral has leaned into their work. They have done some heavy lifting. They've made difficult and important decisions Well done. 
The search and transition committees have listened and prayed and reflected and and conversed together and worked through a very grace-filled process of discernment. Yes, amen. Well done. Really well done. The investment of time and care and thought by so many people here is immeasurable. It is not only a gift, but an act of love. And it is noteworthy because it offers all of us a glimpse into the potential, into the divine possibilities, the talent, the capacity inhabiting this community for real leadership and for life-changing service. Already here, I can only thank you all for your great care and faithful service to this St. John's community. That has been such a gift to me and my family personally over so many years and has been such a blessing and a gift to so many people across the Episcopal Church in Colorado for so many years. Good job. Well done. Thank you. I do have one other thing to say, though. I'm a bishop. The one other thing I have to say this morning is this. Okay, so now what? My spiritual director says it a little more bluntly. He says it this way. He says, so what? Now what? But now what? That, I believe, is the invitation and the challenge before all of us in this community Good job, now what? We stand today at at a threshold moment in the life of this community. It's a particular intersection that marks both an ending and a beginning, the conclusion of one type of work and the beginning of another. And if you know anything about threshold moments in the life of God's people, you will know that they are particularly significant and formative moments and that they do need to be tended to, not glossed over, with great care and thought and prayer and attention. As it turns out, this is exactly where we find Moses and the people of Israel in this morning's reading from Deuteronomy, at just such a threshold moment. They stand in a time of critical transition in their life. And if you think the transition here took a while, they have you beat. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Just think of that. 40 years. Do you know the geography? Do do you know actually the distance between the Sinai and the Holy Land? It doesn't take 40 years to get from one place to the other. In In fact, at a good clip, I calculate you could probably make the journey on foot in about 40 days if you were focused and wanted to get there. But whether it was their anxiety or their fear or their uncertainty or lack of commitment or their indifference or their apathy or their ADD or their distractibility or their perpetual attraction to shiny objects, (laughs) 
Their path was anything but a straight line. Who knows how many times they'd even come up to that threshold before and failed to cross it. For 40 years, the people of God displayed their incredible fickleness and fallibility, grumbling, complaining, blaming, finger-pointing, crying out to God while insisting on following gods of their own making. And at the same time, in spite of themselves, they also experienced 40 years, 40 years of absolutely unconditional and unmerited grace, divine love, just holding them, shielding them, guarding them, protecting them from themselves, guiding them, nudging them, cajoling them, challenging them, inviting them, encouraging them. Think of that, this this infinite, unending, unconditional mercy and compassion and grace that is the one true and living God. This ancient narrative, friends, has endured for millennia for a reason. Because this narrative is the narrative of the human condition. And it is the narrative of how divine love works in our collective lives. And at the point at which we meet Moses and the Israelites in this morning's reading from Deuteronomy, they are there. They've made it just inches away from realizing the promise, just literally a step or two from from entering over into a new life of freedom. This is for them a choice point. This is a take stock moment. This is a, it is, it is a what kind of a commitment, backbone, and courage do we actually have moment? Will they, will they back away? Will they, will they regress? Will they, will they take the easier path just by sticking with what is familiar and known? even though that path is just a slow, meandering death? Or will they choose? Will they choose to go deeper, deeper and deeper, to take heart, to take a risk, to have the courage to trust in that same divine grace that is the source of their life and then, and then move forward to do something new and to do something transcendent and to do something that will really give new life to this world. That, friends, is a threshold moment. And it is upon just such a threshold that every one of us stands in every moment of our lives. It is the ever-present reality of the spiritual journey. It's just a fact. Do we stay with that which is safe, familiar, 
comfortable and secure? Or do we take a risk? Do we risk even our very lives to become instruments of divine healing and reconciliation and justice and peace in this world? That's the choice point. That's the threshold moment. Moses does not get to enter into this new land, but he knows the significance of this moment, and he knows the choice that it presents to all people of God. This is what he says in his parting words to the people of Israel as they stand there on that threshold. Today, he says, I have I have set forth before you death or life, blessing or curse. Pretty stark, isn't it? This is, this is Moses' way of just saying, so what will it be? What will it be? Life and liberation or self-oppression? Dealer's choice. You decide. This is, this is Moses' way of saying, okay, congratulations, folks. You've come this far. Yay! Wonderful. Amen. Hallelujah. But to what end? And for what divine purpose? You've arrived, he says. So... Now what? Choose life is what he says. Choose life. Choose life. Choose life. As we mark this new beginning, this this new season of life in this cathedral community, it would be so easy to to just ease off the accelerator, to to sort of bask in a self-congratulatory soup, to coast comfortably, maybe even to find an off-ramp for a little respite. But that, my friends, is not why you have called Richard and Katie and Broderick to serve this community. That, my friends, is not the reason for which we have come to this moment. And that, my sisters and brothers, is not the divine purpose to which this St. John's community and all of us are called. Okay, so now what? Our world, friends, is crying out. Crying out to see and to know and to experience human beings who have the courage to embrace and to embody a more transcendent way of being human. Our world is longing for human life that is compassionate and just and liberating and healing and reconciling, and renewing, and restoring, and life-giving. Our world does not need more consumers of religion. 
Jesus does not need more admirers, but rather well-formed, well-integrated, well-differentiated, well-grounded, mature, thoughtful, prayerful, imaginative, creative, and courageous followers of Jesus. This, friends, is our life's work. This is why we are here. And this invites and requires and demands our greatest care, our best thought, our deepest commitment, and our consistent attention and intention. Amen and hallelujah. We have all come a long way. And at the same time, we are only just beginning here. Make the commitment. Cross the threshold. Dare to go deeply into the heart of God. Be transformed by that infinite, unconditional, and unending grace. And choose life, not just for yourself, And not just for this congregation, but for this world. Amen.